0: You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 196, Dan Avita of Engagely. That teaser was a piece called Hachinko by the Kyoto Connection. You might think it was from Japan, but actually it's from Argentina. I love new age music, so I hope you enjoy this short piece at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I'm very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulse podcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at com. Today, you'll be hearing my interview with Dan Avita. He's the CEO and co-founder of Engagely. Quote, Engagely's digital learning platform enables higher ed institutions to provide educators and learners with an active, social, collaborative and inclusive and engaging learning experience. End quote. We talk about the background of the founders, that's Dan and his wife, Daphne Kohler, both formerly of Coursera, so you know they have they have a very credible background in e-learning technology and education. So I'm pretty excited about this product. If I had to describe the perfect e-learning Platform in this day and age, especially with the pandemic, I would say that it can support both in class, totally online, whether that's synchronous or asynchronous, or a hybrid environment that includes students in a class combined with online students. It would have a unique structure where students always are interacting with a table of their, uh, consisting of, I don't know, five to eight fellow students. So even if they're in a class of 1,000, they would only see their their friends on their in their table. And while they're listening to their instructor, they could have a background conversation and decide to ask a question. When they want to ask a question, they click a button. Everybody else's microphone is muted, and they can ask their question of the instructor. All the polls and quizzes would be embedded into the presentations uh, of the instructor. It has all the bells and whistles you would expect, um, certainly full recordings of the instructor, note-taking, captioning built into the platform, and best of all, it would work with Chromebooks. And of course, such a product would have to have extensive analytics to detect students at risk. Take a look at the show notes for uh, a more complete list of some of the benefits of Engagely, and better yet, listen to the full interview with Dan Evita Without further ado, here's my interview with Dan. Dan, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me today and tell us about your product, Engagely. I'm very excited to to learn more about it. Before I I ask you to tell us about some of the details, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how how you you got into uh, Engagely.
1: First of all, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast uh, this is the third Silicon Valley company that I've participated in building and running, uh, before starting Engagely, probably the most pertinent project I was involved in is Coursera, which was co-founded by my wife, Daphne Kohler, who is also a co-founder of Engagely. And, uh, I was on the board of Coursera for years. We were quite familiar with what was going on in the world of asynchronous education, and we didn't really track what was going on in synchronous education. So when in March of last year, Silicon Valley went into lockdown and we saw that both our daughters, which at the time both of them were high school students, were using a video conferencing system, Zoom, for their classes, we were surprised that there was no other alternative in the marketplace. And so we set out to build one. And so we decided to build a platform from the ground up that is designed by educators. Two of the co founders of Engagely were tenured Stanford computer science professors, uh, Daphne, and my very longtime uh, partner and colleague, Serge Plotkin who joined Stanford in the late 80s after finishing his PhD from MIT. This is also the third major project I'm doing with Surge. And we initially looked into building this product on top of another platform such as Zoom, but we quickly realized that in order to provide the full richness of capabilities that would truly provide a great experience for both learners as well as instructors you simply have to start with a clean sheet of paper if you will and from the ground up build a platform that's optimized for teaching and learning and that's what we did yeah i mean that's very impressive so you started this
0: essentially at the beginning of the lockdown uh march 2020 and uh so you've 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 come a long way very quickly which is uh very impressive. Where are you in terms of um, how many customers you have? When did you really go live uh, and start to uh, have paying customers?
1: At the moment, um, we're not disclosing exactly that level of details. Uh, uh, for example, last week, we or a couple of weeks ago, we announced a major partnership with University of Carlos III in Madrid, which is a major innovative Spanish university which will be a large rollout to hundreds of instructors and thousands of students that will start in September. In terms of going live, we started experimenting in live classrooms back in October and November, and many of the features that you see in the product today, Rod, are a result of these early pilots. Um, Another thing we saw is that features that we came up with had all kinds of benefits that candidly we did not anticipate. So I'll give you an example of one of them, which is our table structure in which a student is always sitting at a table with their friends. And they can talk using audio to their friends while at the same time listening to what the teacher is saying. A good way to think about it is think about the huge ballroom where the tables are far apart and so you have the instructor and people on the main stage that are talking and can be clearly heard throughout this large ballroom but people at the table can have a conversation in parallel and so initially instructors are a bit concerned about that but then very quickly they realize the benefits one is if you have shy students that have missed something in the class they'll be hesitant to raise their hand and ask the professor what's going on but they're much more comfortable asking their friends, hey, what did the professor just say? And if somebody at the table can answer them, then they're not losing out in the rest of the class. And if nobody knows, then either that student or one of their friends will feel comfortable raising their hand and asking the professor for a clarification.
0: I'm, I'm envisioning the, the typical lecture hall when we were you know, seeing students in person. And uh, a lot of the ones that are sitting in the back of the room that uh, they may not be engaged and they may be really, you know, spending most of their time uh, on their devices, uh, in this case, maybe a phone or uh, an iPad and, and not really paying attention. So how how does uh, your your platform make sure they're engaged or is there, what, what controls do you have around that?
1: A number of different things. First of all, the fact that the system is collaborative, that student who's sitting in the back, they'll be disappointing their friends if they're assigned a project to work on during the class and that student does participate. Uh, typically, as I'm sure you know, social pressure does wonders. Uh, secondly, built into our platform, and that's one of the many things we have patents pending on, is polls and quizzes that are embedded into the actual flow of the presentation that the instructor is giving, and can be amended on the fly and is not tied to any particular presentation software, so students have to respond to polls and quizzes. If they don't, we alert the instructor that Johnny in the back row is, well, the virtual back row, to use your example, is not participating. Uh, we also have, by the way, indicators to alert the instructor as this student posting not posting chat messages, not posting questions and answers, not participating in polls and quizzes, and the instructor can dispatch a teaching assistant to go see what's going on with that student. Um, Some of it has to do with the instrumentation that's built into the platform. Another is to how classes are put together in a way that can make it engaging using all the capabilities of the platform. We have a person, Andrina, who used to run teaching and learning at Coursera and is now running Teaching and Learning at Engagely, who works and our team works with instructors to make their courses engaging for these students that maybe are require a little bit more excitement, if you will, to become participants in the class.
0: I get the idea. This this sounds uh, quite different than a typical Zoom classroom, which I'm very familiar with. You know, we, we called it, uh, uh, you know, emergency teaching with Zoom. And uh, many of our faculty had never taught online. Um, you was certainly not using Zoom. And, and you know, it, it was quite a, a painful, I think, transition for folks. And uh, one of our philosophies at our university was at least to get our faculty to do more asynchronous at least you know not depending on using zoom for for lecturing and uh, you know flipping the classroom and, and things like that so um i guess my one of my first questions is does it would it entirely replace a product like zoom is that is that the the purpose
1: yes for teaching absolutely because zoom is not really intended for teaching and learning if people want to do a conference calls i mean they could do it on Engagely, but um Sure, that people will also use Zoom for conference calls, but for teaching and learning, yes. And we replace a lot of other things also, because for example, the quizzing and polling are built into the platform. The recordings of the classes are built into the platform. Note-taking, automatic note-taking is built into the platform. Captioning is built into the platform. So we replace a lot of different things that today professors need to use in order to give a good experience for the students. And in fact, neither students nor instructors should really be, if you will, system integrators. This should be just... Right,
0: right. Does it, re- does it replace the LMS? Do you ever see that happening? Or is it meant to integrate with the LMS? Can it Can it be run uh, standalone without l-
1: an LMS? It can be run standalone with an LMS. We do recommend that People do integrate us into their LMS. We support the very popular LTI protocol. okay. And so what would happen is the student would go into the class page on LMS of your choice, and we would appear as a tool. They click on that, and boom, they're in the virtual classroom. If there's a live class, they can just automatically get into it and we do all the authentication using the LTI protocol so they do not need to double authenticate once they've logged into the LMS the LTI protocol has built-in authentication if there is no live class what would happen is we would show them a list of all the prior recordings of the class which they can join and one capability that we offer which is very unique is what we call learn with friends where they can invite a few of their friends to watch with them a recording class. And we synchronize the playback of the recording across all the students. So let's say you and I are watching together a class and I don't understand something, I pause it, I can ask you, can you please tell me what the professor said? You clarify to me and then I hit play and it does play with respect to both of us. So that's um, excellent.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's very clever. Uh, I know we we... Uh, many institutions, of course, implement uh, lecture capture, and it's all, of course, we're trying to get away from lecture. But it sounds like uh, what you're talking about is sort of the, uh, you know, the the, the best of uh, both worlds. You can you can have live sessions and uh, or or sort of replay it at, at your at your uh, own own will. Now, one one thing that's been very problematic with our faculty and and especially with large classes is uh, handling. Uh, breakout groups, and, and it's very, you know, pretty well known that it's it's cumbersome. Uh, if they're using Zoom, they most likely need a uh, an assistant to to help manage all that. So, how does Engagely handle um, breakout groups, and what what makes it uh, easier for for that?
1: We have no breakout rooms, so the students always, if you will, are in a table which is like a breakout room and in the main session at the same time. So, there is none of this shuffling in and out of breakout rooms. A breakout room, in effect, is a separate call. So, you shuffle out of the main call into a separate call, which is a breakout room. And, Engagely, let's say, that you would like to stop the class and let the students work on something for five minutes, mm-hmm. all you have to do, Rod, is stop talking. Just stop. Stop I mean. talking. <laughs> well, that, and we give you for that's ease of, so, you know, for your ease, we give you a timer that's built into the platform. You could set a five-minute timer or a two-minute timer. It doesn't matter because when it does, nothing bad happens. And then you can just resume talking or you can, because you can walk between the tables easily and see what the students are up to, Maybe they finish early, so you can just say, hey, you know, I know we still have a few more minutes, but let's get back and continue the class. Or you could see that they're very gainfully employed and they need a couple of words to so say, hey, um, I'm going to resume the class uh, two minutes later than I intended to. But literally all I have to do is stop talking, and that's a breakout session and engagement.
0: That's ingenious. Yes, uh, that's very reminiscent of uh some of the, um, uh, what did they used to call them? Uh, we didn't do it at our university. We, we, we attempted to do it in a certain level, but to have, I'm um, talking about physical classrooms now where you have uh, the appropriate steel case furniture and you have the tables in each corner of the room with, uh, you know, and the instructors in the, in the middle and can address, see everybody at all the tables. So it sounds like you're, you're emula- emulating that sort of setup.
1: That's a great analogy, except for the fact that you don't need any fancy, expensive furniture. And you could do this for hundreds of students, which these steel clay classrooms were good for maybe a few dozen at most.
0: You know, in thinking ahead for what's going to happen this coming fall, who knows uh, the way the the, uh, Delta variant is going. You know, uh, well, some students maybe that are not vaccinated for some reason, they're going to want to stay home, whereas many of the students are going to come to campus. So, can you use your platform to combine on-site and remote students?
1: Uh, Thank you for the question. And yes, absolutely. And so different people call it hybrid, other people call Mm -hmm. it HyFlex, but from the beginning we anticipated that would happen. And both Daphne and Serge have had to teach in that format for many years because Stanford has had this all throughout uh, from the beginning of even the 90s or before, where Stanford would literally beam classes from the Stanford classrooms to local Bay Area companies, um, even before the internet was popular. And so they have a lot of experience teaching students both in the class as well as remote. And from their experience, we came up with a system that to the instructor, they see on the screen or screens the remote students, as well as the names of the ones that are in class today. And the ones that are in the class today are incented to log in and say I'm in class today because the notes that they take, which are automatically synced with the recording of the class for future reference, and automatically they grab a screenshot of the instructor's desktop, all that is built in once they log into our application. Um, And what we do is that once a in-person student wants to ask a question or make a comment, we ask them to press a button on their mobile device or on their laptop. And at that point, we mute all the other audio sources for the remote students, except the microphone on this particular student's device. As well as we mute the speaker in the room so you don't have any reverb. And what would happen is that the remote students can suddenly very clearly hear the in-person student because we're picking up the audio from a microphone that's only a few inches away from their mouth.
0: That's very good. Yeah, I, I don't know any product that does something like that. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, so in practice, faculty can, you know, a single faculty person can handle that because it's, it's not much different than having everybody, you know, online.
1: Definitely. And we have the one advantage that we show the names of the students to the professors so they remember who's who. And we even show little pictures if they want Mm -hmm. of the people in the class today. Excellent. Since your background is um,
0: with Coursera, which is uh, largely uh, asynchronous, um, do you see, in fact, one of our uh, our recent, um, we at my university recently created a new, kind of late to the game, but we created an online division Uh, asynchronous education, do you see it, how do you see it used in in a um, uh, situation like that where students don't expect to have to attend at a certain time of day because they have jobs, they have families, and the reason they want uh, an async online education is so they don't have to uh, uh, be there at the same time. Uh, Do you still see Engagely being used in that environment?
1: Definitely. I, I think there will be multiple, multiple modalities of teaching and learning over time. Some will be fully asynchronous. Some will be hybrid, like we discussed or flex, And some will be completely synchronous. We intend to support all three. And so for the students that, for whatever reason, couldn't attend today's class, we do a, a very participatory active learning style lecture playback or class playback, where for example, if there was a polar quiz in the class, the students that are watching it asynchronously have to respond to the poll or the quiz in order to progress in the class. Uh, Also the Q&A that was posted during the class is played for the students that are viewing the class asynchronously and as I mentioned, we do have this uh, learn with friends, which has been proven time and time again to dramatically increase in learning outcomes and improve retention rod. If somebody is taking an asynchronous course with their friends, they're much more likely to complete it than if they do it on their own.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, well, that, that's very important. Is, is your main uh, audience higher, Ed, or do you see this, are you uh, planning to move into... Uh, K-12 as well?
1: Right now, we're so busy with higher ed that we decided to focus on that particular segment. We do have a lot of interest from K-12 to as well as from corporate education departments. But at the moment, we have our hands full with, uh, we're a global company, so we have universities throughout the world just working with them is taking up all our current resources.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, one reason I ask is that uh, a lot of educational technology doesn't work with Chromebooks, which of course are becoming much more uh, popular in, in the K-12 environment. Even, even some colleges now are, are, are uh, going with Chromebooks. So does your product uh, work on a Chromebook?
1: Yeah, thank you very much for, for the question. We purposefully built it so it runs within a browser specifically Chrome. And we do all the testing on Chromebooks as well as on computers. And we actually use really old Chromebooks. (laughs) We don't use the latest and greatest and fastest Chromebook. Uh, We also, by the way, test it on five-year-old Macs. When I give demos uh, for my student machine, I use a machine that has a Windows, eight sticker on it, and I used to use for the instructor machine, a machine that has a Windows 7 sticker on it. <laughs> but yes, I mean, the, the whole thing uh, was designed from inception. This, again, because we built the platform from the ground up. We're using open protocols that are built into all the modern browsers, uh, most specifically Chrome. We, we focus on Chrome, and as I'm sure you know, you then pick up Edge which is a new standard Microsoft browser, which is built on top of Chrome. And then we make the appropriate adjustments to make sure it also runs well in Safari, but it works very well in Chromebooks.
0: Got it. Uh, that's that's uh, certainly a smart, a smart approach. Um, well, this is very interesting. Um, how does it compare with uh, a, another podcast I did? A couple Well, how, how many months ago was it now? Um, I talked to... Um, I did a podcast on class for Zoom. How would you compare it with uh, with class for Zoom?
1: It's basically a totally different approach than the one they have chosen to take. And when we started the company, we thought about building this on top of Zoom like they did. And we just decided that you cannot provide all the capabilities that you really need to mm-hmm. have a great experience for the students, for the instructors, and you can't enable all the types of modern pedagogy that we can enable building this on top of Zoom. So we took a much harder approach from a technical point of view and built everything from scratch, including the audio, video, conferencing part of the system. And so the resulting product is just much, much, much richer than just a few kind of features on the side of Zoom.
0: Right, right. Okay. Ah, fair enough. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is um, um, some of the, uh, I'm trying to think, um, some of the products we've used have analytics that uh, measure the student engagement, you know, have some analytics that, uh, I think you, you did reference this, maybe during the class the faculty can see, but maybe they they want to come back later um, and and look and see how engaged the students are. Is there some sort of uh, uh, analytics dashboard that faculty can refer to and and use it to help um, you know um, help students that are having difficulty in their courses?
1: Absolutely, we do it both after the class as well as in real time during the class. We measure many of the student actions, did they post a chat message, did they send a question to the instructor, did they answer a poll, did they answer a quiz, did they take notes? And we show per student in real time what is the average level of activity in the past few minutes per student. So if you have a student who fell asleep, you're gonna see that uh, highlighted to you. Um, in addition to that, to you, we do a overall aggregate of the class and show that in real time to the instructors. If the whole class seems to be losing attention, we have a little thermometer that indicates that to the instructor. We Also, by the way, give the students the ability to send anonymous feedback to the instructor, which presumably is going to be more (laughs) honest. And so if they're starting to be a bit discouraged, they can indicate that anonymously to the professor. And to your point, all this information we collect, we then provide to the instructors post-class for post-class analysis, which they can do on a per-student basis to figure out which students are at risk, as well as on the class overall to see this part of the class was a lot of attention and 95% of the students participate in the polls. And when we asked the students to work for five minutes on a problem, Eighty percent of the students spoke during that five minutes, or you could see points in time in the class where basically it was just uh, crickets because presumably everybody was watching a Netflix movie because they were so bored. So, And again, I know Daphne got her MacArthur Genius Award among other things for her work on artificial intelligence. And as you noticed, I've not uh, kind of sprinkled any machine learning fairy dust <laughs> until now. <laughs> But once we have a meaningful amount of this type of data, which we collect very precisely, we will overlay on top of this modern machine learning slash AI capabilities to help the instructor say, hey, you know, this point in time, you might want to move on because you're starting to lose your uh, students, or this is really good, students are really into this, why don't you give them a couple more minutes to work on this problem set? You can only do this once you really collect a meaningful amount of precise information. And because we control all the audio video streams, we also give the instructor the ability to stage manage what the students are seeing. So they can have the students see each other or they can have the students see what the instructor is showing or just the instructor's face or a panel of students. And again, we have all the analytics behind that to see, oh, when. The Students saw a panel of their friends, they suddenly all perked up and started sending chat messages to another. But when the students were just watching the instructor's face or the instructor's desktop, they started losing interest,
0: right? Right, interesting. Yeah, when you mentioned video stream, uh, uh occurred to me in some, some, um, I'm trying to think of the platform, uh, familiar with where if you're the instructor wants to show a, a video, uh, on their desktop, let's say they're in a a classroom and have everybody see that. And that sometimes it's, it, it works such that you're really re-streaming something video that's already out there. It could be a YouTube video. So how, how does that work? Do you re-stream something or does the student, on the student's um, Chromebook or Chrome, do they link directly to the original source somehow? How, how does that work?
1: That's another great question. So the way we do it is different for YouTube, for example, than it is for other video clips. So I'll start with YouTube. And so let, let's say that there is a YouTube video clip that the instructor wants to show the students. What the instructor does is they paste into their presentation, PowerPoint, Keynote, Google Slide, doesn't matter, the url with a little machine readable code that tells our system oh now the professor wants to show this when they get to that slide and they say please stream the video what would happen is that the students chromebook would get it directly from youtube but under the control of the instructor. So when the instructor pauses a video or pause it on the Chromebook, when the instructor fast-forwards, it fast-forwards it with respect to the student. But the actual source is not coming from the instructor's desktop. And I'm sure you've Uh seen when people try to stream video across. It's terrible. Right. Um, So there's no, like you said, no streaming. It's coming directly from the source. Now, if the instructor has a video they already have, they don't want to put it on YouTube That's the only thing we ask them to upload ahead of time to our cloud, or they can have it already staged there if they've used it in the past. And what would happen is we use Amazon Web Services and we use literally the same pipeline that Amazon uses for Amazon Prime Video. And so again, same like what I described for YouTube, what would happen is that when the instructor gets to that slide, they click play, and we would stream to them directly, using again a very high quality, super high definition pipeline, uh, directly to each student individually. But again, under the instructor's full control.
0: Wow, that's that's very impressive. Uh, very impressive. Yeah, I, I get that. Also, I'm wondering how um, how you get started with something this. If you're an institution interested, is is this something that must be done through You know, the institution, or is there a way that individual faculty can test it out themselves with before and then sell it to, you know, so to speak, to the institution?
1: Uh, We're very open to however people would like to engage with us. And so individual faculty members can reach out. We set them up with an account and they can start teaching usually within a few minutes. And once universities get interested in a broader deployment, and then we go into higher level integrations, like you mentioned, with LMS system, mm-hmm. with our single sign-on, and so on.
0: Got it. Good. Well, that, that's always good. Sometimes it's easier to uh, work at the um, grassroots level and work your way up these days. Is there anything else you would like to um, let our audience know? Uh in terms of any other features that are coming on the pike? Uh, You know, how are you on version one? Um, You know, how do you see it uh, progressing uh, over time?
1: We use a methodology which is very agile. And so we do a release every few weeks, uh, but we stage them so we're not bothering the instructors with too many changes. And each university can run on a somewhat different version if they prefer. Um, In terms of things that we're working on down the pipe, we're adding to your point more and more capabilities for asynchronous classrooms. And this could be fully asynchronous classrooms in the sense that students are still collaborating with each other, but leaving each other, for example, artifacts. So let's say you have a think-pair-share exercise And so a student is working on it, and you and I are partnered. So you do something, you send me a message to the platform. And again, it uses the table metaphor. So you and I are assigned to table five. You tell me, Dan, I left you something on table five. And again, through the Engage.ly platform, the students can then come and continue collaborating on the platform. And so this allows for very large uh, classroom, we continue to add more features around the uh, HyFlex classrooms and around, like you said, the analytics. As I'm sure you know, analytics can keep us busy for years, you know, slicing and dicing the data in this way and another way.
0: Right. I, that's one thing I forgot to ask. What, what's the upper limit of um, uh, a class size uh, that you think faculty can handle or the technology can handle?
1: Uh, We're targeting getting into the thousands of students in a class. And one of the things that we allow instructors to do is effectively use TAs. So, for example, Daphne's class at Stanford, when she was teaching, it was hundreds of students. Now it's over a thousand. And so a class like that, that most institutions get assigned a number of different TAs, which in an auditorium you can't really utilize very effectively. They're sitting at the back row, and they're mostly of help during recitation sessions and grading. But in Engagely, what happens is that you can assign table 1 through 20 to TA1, and 21 through 40 to TA2, and so on. And they can easily just roam between the tables, see what's going on, see if uh, people uh, need help, if there are specific questions from these tables, they can be routed to the TA. The TA can either answer the question or if it's of sufficient importance to where the whole class should hear it, they route it to the instructor. So we definitely allow instructors to really scale up the size of the class that can effectively teach uh, beyond what's actually feasible in a large auditorium. And on the flip side, when you think about from the student point of view, the student could be sitting in a class that has a thousand or fifteen hundred students, but they don't see the fifteen hundred students. They see their five or six friends that sit with them at yeah. the table and the instructor and if those a panel the panelists and students that have raised the hand which appear on the podium to address the class. That's all they see. So they don't feel like they're a very tiny fish in this huge school. Right,
0: right. That's they, excellent. They, they yeah. feel like
1: they're in a little seminar with maybe fifteen other people.
0: Got it. Yeah, that's very, very nice. I can see how that really would work. Well, listen, this has been very enlightening. Um, it sounds like a very clever product. I, I wish you the best of success and um, thank you so much for talking to my group today.
1: Well, Rod, I very much appreciate the time and thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's a very interesting product, I think you will agree. And one caveat, I guess, is that it's, it's very new. So it hasn't been fully proven in my mind. I certainly haven't tried it myself but I think it's really worth checking out. So look into Engagely. So stay tuned for the song, Hachinko, and until next time, have a great week. That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company.